Let us pray real quick, please. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you have done for this church family. Thank you for speaking with us these last 21 days. Thank you for helping us to grow closer to you and closer to our purpose during this time. Lord, I pray that this week's prayer focus spoke to someone here, Lord, and that they would take the next step in serving you. We know that there are so many areas within this church that have a need for faithful <clears throat> servants. Father, we know how important unity is within a church, and I pray for that unity. I pray that you keep the great divider out of this congregation, Lord. I pray for Pastor Jay as he's about to give this message, and I just pray, Father, that uh, you hope, help to open the hearts and minds of those here today. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Uh, it's, uh, it's been great to have, uh, to just divide up our, our service with prayer in, in that way and having somebody from our church family coming up and, and praying in, in that moment um, throughout these last 21 days as we've all together been on this journey going through, uh, going through scripture and this prayer journey, 21 days of prayer. Uh, and, uh, and it's been an awesome thing. And we're wrapping that up uh, today. Uh, as we've been going through a series called Walk Worthy, uh, the freedom of discipleship and the freedom that we find in growing in our walk with Jesus and, and the way in which that does lead us to discipleship as, as really discipleship is just a big way of saying becoming more like Jesus every single day um, as we grow in our relationship with him and, and in, our, in our walk and the freedom that we find in that, the freedom from who we were, the freedom from even who we are, and, and freedom in who Jesus is transforming us and changing us into every single day. Uh, and, and that's an awesome thing, but that, what that really means for us is we call that taking a next step. And as we've said, if you don't take a next step, then you're not walking. And so if we're supposed to be walking with Jesus and we're not taking next steps, then we're not walking. We're just standing still or even potentially stumbling backwards. And, and if we're in that position, then more than likely you feel like you're alone. You feel like you're in isolation. And that's not at all what God intended, which is interesting because that's what we're going to be talking about today, actually, is, is the idea of unity and, and how important that is. Because Here's the thing, the enemy doesn't want you to really engage today. The enemy doesn't want you to take next steps in your faith. The enemy doesn't want these people who are going to get baptized today and taking next steps in, in baptism, which is exactly what that is and why I'm wearing swim trunks, in case you're wondering. I don't preach in this every week. But that they're taking next steps in their faith, and it's an awesome thing. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to see because it's, it's representing life change for them. Um, and this past week, we've been, uh, we've been praying. Our prayer focus had to do with asking Jesus, what, what is my next step in serving and in serving you? And I, and I asked you and challenged you if you would fast and pray one time this past week about that. And maybe that was for a meal. That, maybe that was for um, social media or whatever kind of fast that looked like for you. Maybe it was for a whole day. It could have just been for part of the day. However, that, you know, whatever the Lord laid on, laid on you to do, because what really matters is the condition of our heart, not what we're putting in and out of, you know, whatever we're eating or not eating uh, that day and, and all of that. But I hope that the Lord has actually given you some direction 
that he's given you some direction and, and a place to step in and serve. And so whether that is actually serving here at the church in some way, shape, or form, jumping into a ministry team, or whether that's just serving in uh, and having maybe more of a mindset of serving in the circles that you're in and the influences that you have in your, in your everyday life. Maybe you're just like, boy, at, at the office, I can just be a little bit more of a servant there. Maybe that's what the Lord's telling you to do. And, and that's great. Take that next step. Be that servant in that place. But it could be jumping into a ministry team here. We call it the dream team. Those that are our volunteers that are watching your kids right now and, um, and that are uh, greeting you at the door and singing and playing instruments up here and running the live stream and all of that stuff and the lighting and sound and, and everything, they're all part of the dream team. And we would love for any and all of you to be a part of that and to join the dream team. There are cards in the seat back in front of you. If the Lord's laid something on your heart this week that you're like, boy, I think I need to step into blah, fill that out on a card. Don't step in the blah, but step into a particular thing. Uh, you can fill out that card in front of you. You could scan this code and you can fill out the form that's on there and we will get in contact with you and hopefully get you plugged in really soon. And I'll tell you the problem I would love to have. I would love to have the problem of we have so many people reach out to us. We have so many cards. We have so many notifications from the website that our staff is overwhelmed this week on getting back to y'all and getting you plugged in. And my whole staff is like, shut up, Jay. Um, but... <laughs> I would love to have that problem this week, honestly, because believe me, we could use any and everybody, and there is a place for you to serve in the kingdom of God. Absolutely there is. But ultimately, every next step that we take, every next step that we take, it's about fulfilling the great commission and about fulfilling the great command. And the great command can be narrowed down to four words, and it's this, love God and love others. Love God and love others. And loving people where they are with an understanding of everyone really being in a different place in their walk with Jesus. Because every single one of us in this room, we're in a different spot in our walk with Jesus. Some of you, maybe, that's, maybe your walk with Jesus hasn't even started and that's gonna start today. Awesome. Maybe you're in a place where you're taking that next step of baptism and that's great. Maybe you've been a believer your whole life and you just really haven't taken any next step other than trusting Jesus and, and then being baptized, but it's never gone any, anywhere further than that or anywhere in between. We're all at a different place and loving God and loving others as we've talked about walking worthy, that's the only way to walk worthy is to love God and love others. And those are steps that we should be taking every single day. Every day we should be taking the next step in loving God and loving other people. And as I said, today we got people taking that next step of baptism and it's gonna be awesome. But to bring all of these things together, to bring everything together, as the church, we really need to be in a place of unity. We need to be in a place of unity. And that's what I wanna talk about today. And, and unity, that is a word that is thrown around a lot. That word's thrown around a lot today and it can mean a lot of different things. But the sense in which God intends for it to be is more than just agreeing that we're all cheering for the Niners tonight, right? It's more than that. It's so much more than that because that is the correct answer. But it's more than just cheering or, or, or voting for the same politician, right? It's more than just agreeing on what is the, the best restaurant or the fact that the Valley Cafe has the best pancakes ever. Like, that is the truth. Um, but 
it's more than just that. That's not, that's not unity. That's not the kind of unity that Jesus is talking about here. It's not just agreeing on the same food or the same movies. Speaking of agreeing on movies, if you're looking at the word unity, a good way to define it is joined as a whole. And I remember that, um, that there was a time uh, where I went to this event uh, that's called Star Wars Celebration. I may or may not have gone twice and in 2002 and 2005. And I went to this and, um, and it's interesting to find a sense of unity at a place like that uh, because there are people there that are uh, different and I would never hang out with them outside of something like that. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? There were plenty of people that I hung out with and talked to, and y'all are losing a lot of respect for me right now, and I get it. Um, but I would have never hung out with them outside of something like that. But we were all united in our love of Star Wars, which is why we all showed up there. And it's, and it's not the same as like going to a sporting event, right? You go to a sporting event, and maybe a majority of the stadium's cheering for the same team, but not everybody. But even at an event like Star Wars Celebration where everybody's there and united in our love for Star Wars or whatever, this is so much even more than that because it doesn't go as far as we want to think about unity. It doesn't go as far as what God intends for the unity of his people and his church. I would argue that our lack of unity as the church is actually what's enabling a lot of people in this world to continue to pull further and further away from God and to continue to look for answers in a world that doesn't have any. And that's a hard thing to say, but we just gotta be honest with ourselves for a minute. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians in chapter two. It's in the New Testament and um, you know, toward maybe the, the back of your Bible. And in Philippians two, last week we looked at Philippians chapter one and we're gonna be going right to the next chapter here. <clears throat> and the Apostle Paul, he's, he's writing this from a prison to a church in Philippi that is actually one of his, uh, I would call it like a model church, you know, to him, he's like, these are the guys that are, they're probably doing the best job at this time, you know, here. And, and there's a lot of joy that's written in this, um, in this letter to them. Uh, and, and some encouragement as well. And this encouragement of how they should act and how they should be and what they should continue to do is something that I think we need to look at as we are continuing to strive to walk worthy and to take next steps in walking worthy of the calling that Jesus has given us. And so I'm gonna start right at the beginning of chapter two, and we're gonna go through uh, about 10 to 15 verses here. But we're just gonna look at the first four right now. It says this, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So Paul's clearly saying some of these things in a rhetorical way, right? He's like, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's love and, and, and fellowship in the spirit and mercy and grace and, and effect, of course there is. Of course all of these things are in Christ. And if they are, and they are, then let's be united in those things. 
Let's be united in those things in Christ that that is the goal. And so to share these things in common with each other and with fellow believers, let's not get lost in the weeds of the little things that we like to make arguments and dissension all about because unity is the goal. And this kind of unity that he's talking about here is the goal. And so to walk worthy means to walk in unity. As the church, to walk worthy means to walk in unity, in love, in fellowship, in spirit, with affection and mercy, with the same purpose. With the same purpose. That's an important word. Not out of selfishness, not out of our own agenda, but out of love for others. Not to advance myself or to promote myself, not out of my own self-interest, but, but in a kind of, of, of empty glory. An empty glory, meaning I get no glory, and I'm okay with that because it's about Jesus' glory, not mine. It's never about my glory. As believers, it's never about our glory. It's always about the glory of God. It's always about the glory of God. Look at verse four again. Everyone should, not, uh, should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Now, there are very few verses in the Bible that you could read just one line from and go, yeah, there's no other way to, to interpret that differently other than what it says. This is one of them. Even if you read all the verses around it and all the verses after it and you put it in full context, it still means this. There, there's, there's no way to parse this one any differently, but this is hard because this is the opposite of how we naturally are. We are naturally opposite of this. It's our sin nature. But it's the only way to have unity in Christ and to walk worthy. Because this is all he cares about. All he arrived on this earth for, all Jesus came to this earth for was not for his interest, but instead for yours, for others. We talked about depravity a few weeks ago, and it's a theological nerdy word that just means the fall of mankind and sin, and sin coming into the world that we can't get out of on our own because we are depraved. And so that's why we need a savior. This is what we're saved from. And it's proof that, it's, that it exists, that it's the problem, that we are in sin. This is proof that we're sinned because this verse is in the Bible. You wouldn't need to put it in here if we weren't sinners. So to walk worthy in unity, we need humility. We need humility. We need to walk in humility a little more often. And humility doesn't mean to think, uh, to think less of yourself. It doesn't mean to think like, oh, I'm the worst or I'm awful or, or to walk around in that way. No, a, a good way to to say this is it's not to think less of yourself it's to think of yourself less to think of yourself less what would be good for you as I think through that with God's values and morals in mind that kind of attitude going into situations and, and conversations meaning it's, it's not my agenda it's not my preferences. It's not my expectations in this situation. It's, it's you. It's what about you? When I walk into a situation and when I walk into a conversation with somebody as a believer, I should be thinking about the other person. 
in all that I'm doing. I should be thinking about the other person. You ever talk to somebody and you, you know it's this person that no matter what you say, they're gonna steer the conversation to themselves? Right, we all know that person, right? And, and you're probably thinking of them right now and they might be sitting next to you and that's okay. Um, but you, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, hey, um, my, my daughter's been, been really sick and, and, and she had like an ear infection and they're like, oh, well, my daughter was in the hospital. And, and blah, 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 blah. And like all the way, in, and, and these doctors did this and all that, and you're like, okay, you know? And they just keep on going about their story, about, about their kids or whatever. And you were like, I just, I kind of needed a friend and somebody to listen to for a minute. Um, but okay, you know? And, but we all know that person, probably not bad intent, intentions, but what if instead we stepped into conversations with people and we asked questions about them and we had their interests in mind? And we listen to what maybe was going on in their mind and, and, and where they're hurting. And yeah, there's times where we need that too. But as believers, we should be looking to the interests of others, walking in humility. Let's keep reading, verse five. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus' example. Jesus' example, he set the bar for how to treat people, right? He set the bar for it. He was and is the best at how to treat people. He made people feel seen and valued regardless of their past or their present regardless of even what mess they were sitting in right in that moment he got right down there with them and loved them right where they were and made them feel valued and cared about he offered them hope he offered them help both physically and spiritually just like the church should just like we should and I'm not talking the organization I'm talking us as people, as the church, the, the called out assembly. Let me ask you this. What's usually the cause of disagreements that end with treating people bad or with people getting treated bad? What's usually the cause of that? Selfishness and pride. Selfishness and pride. And you're like, no, not every time. You're kind of being selfish and prideful in, in that statement. Yeah, it's, it's every time, right? My opinions are the best opinions and the right opinions. Um, the way that I think it should be done is the way that it should be done. I'm gonna make sure that you know that. The way that I think you should act is the way that you should act. The way I think you should drive is the way that you should drive. The way that, you know, the, the, whether you're homeschooling your kids or not homeschooling your kids, you need to listen to my opinion. Uh, who you are voting for, you need to listen to my opinion. Like every time, right? And these kinds of conversations end up turning into selfishness and pride and all comes back to that. Every single time, some version of both of those things, which is why pride is one of the things that God lists as the things that God hates. There is a list actually of things that God hates if you didn't know that. And that's one of them. It's in Psalms. Here's your homework. 
See, the attitude and actions of Jesus are the example to follow. That's the example to follow, which is why I can definitively say that imitating Jesus solves the unity problem. Imitating Jesus solves the unity problem. He intentionally left the glory of heaven, his preexistent eternal state, to become human. And to, would you leave there? Nope. I wouldn't. Why? Because I'm selfish and prideful. He did that. He left his eternal state to become human and to die in the most horrible way. The most horrible way possible. Why? Because of his love for you. Every action and reaction was from a place of love and thinking about what was best for us. He didn't use his position to his own advantage like you and I would. You know who's, who he used it for? For your advantage and for mine. The attitude that the church should exhibit is actually the one that Jesus maintained and still maintains. And that is why imitating Jesus solves the unity problem. Because if we would all just, all of these things that are divisive all over the world right now, all the different, and I'm not just talking elephants and donkeys, right? I'm talking the world. So all of the things that cause division. Tell me which one would not be better if everybody imitated Jesus. I'll wait. It solves the unity problem. It's amazing what we put up with when we have common interest, isn't it? When we have common interest with people, it's amazing what we will put up with or deal with. We'll put up with a lot of grief. We'll put up with a lot of tiredness. We'll put up with, with pain. We'll put up with smells and various things for something that is bigger than ourselves because we know that it's making a difference because we're united in common purpose, like a missions trip. We put up with all of those things in Guatemala. And it was worth it. Because imitating Jesus solves the unity problem. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, let me tell you what this is not saying for a minute. This is not saying universal salvation. This is not saying that one day everybody's just gonna be saved and go to heaven. I wish that were so. But that's not what this is saying. Because you have to make a decision about who you're gonna follow and who you're gonna surrender to. You have to make a decision about who you're gonna submit to. Are you gonna submit to yourself? Or are you gonna submit to Jesus? And if you're submitting to yourself, let me ask you how that's going. Here's what this means, that every person ultimately will confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether they do right now or not, they will confess that he is Lord. And they will either do that with joyful faith, walking into heaven with him, or with resentment and despair being eternally separated from him. But make no mistake, at some point in the not-too-distant future, that will happen. And complete submission to Jesus Christ and to him alone is going to happen by, with every person, both in word and in action. Jesus, at some point 
soon is going to put an end to the agendas. He's going to put an end to the opinions. He's going to put an end to the preferences and perspectives. And there are many high names, but there is only one name that is above all names. And one day soon, everybody is going to know that and really, really know it. And we are all united in that truth as his church, in that promised future and in that glorious moment that regardless of what we agree or disagree on and the petty stuff, as believers, we are all looking forward to that day. And I can't wait. And then Paul says something in regards to all of that, that he gives instruction. And along with that, he actually kind of brings the, the message together of what he's writing, but, but also brings kind of this whole series together for us in, in one phrase. And it's in verses 12 and 13 here in Philippians 2. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to, uh, in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Now, some read this statement and they hear what we do, the good things that we do, gives us salvation and keeps our salvation. So I need to keep doing good things so I make sure I don't lose it. You might hear that on your first reading of that, of that statement, but that is not what Paul is saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's nowhere in Scripture that it says that. Verse 13 is really clear that God is working in you. His purpose is working in and through you, which is everything that walking worthy is all about. It's about you and him. It's about you and him together. And so this statement, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, is the statement that kind of brings it all together. Because here's what he's talking about in this. It means exactly that, to work on this and to continue to work on on your completed salvation in him. It's you and Jesus walking together and working out or exercising, if you will, the completed work of salvation. You're, You're exercising the completed work of salvation in your life because your salvation is complete. Jesus died once and for all, so your moment of belief is once and for all. And from there, we work out what God in his grace has worked in. We're working out what God in his grace is working in to your life. See, our works, the things that we do, are not decisive in our salvation. We don't do things to decide whether we're saved or not. They're evidence of God's saving work in us. They're evidence of the fact that you are following him. And if, and if there are no good works, if you're not doing anything that is, you know, that, that is loving God and loving people, then I would have to argue whether life change has actually happened in your life, whether transformation has actually happened in your life. And so this is why it's with fear and trembling. And by fear, yes, he means, he means respect, but, and, but it's not necessarily that, that we're scared to go to hell if we don't do good things, like you're going to lose your ticket. That's not what he's talking about. Instead, it's because of the awe and respect and not wanting to fail God 
yeah, there is a level of fear and actual fear because he is like the creator of, of all things. And if he wanted to Thanos snap everybody, he could because he is God. And so there is that. And so, yeah, there's a level of like fear him, like for real fear. He's God. That is true. But he loves us so much. He loves us so much. He saved us from where we were. And so the trembling is actually with joy and joy in that truth. And we do that by taking next steps in our faith through prayer, through time in his word, and through serving. And those are all next steps that we take. And all of those things are gonna bring unity in the church as we live out our purpose that we've been given through salvation in Jesus Christ. Because you have a purpose that is different than my purpose, but yet we're all united in the fact that Jesus saved all of us and we have that purpose that we can live out. And we can encourage each other in those things. See, this is how God always works. Jesus calls us to obedience and then he gives us the power to obey. He calls you to obedience and he calls you to something that you're like, boy, I don't know if I can obey that. I don't know if I can do this thing. That looks really difficult, but God will never give me anything more than I can handle, right? Wrong. Don't believe that one for a minute. That's a lie. You hear the one, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, no, he'll actually always give you more than you can handle. Every single time. You will get more than you can handle and you're gonna rely on God to get you through it. And he's gonna be there to get you through it. Absolutely. Think of it like a car engine, right? We press down on the gas pedal and, and the engine takes the car forward and we're confident in that engine to kick in and take us forward in the same way as we strive to do good things, knowing that God himself is working in us and he's gonna provide us with the strength and the power that we need for those good works to get us where he is calling us to go in our purpose. That's the difference. And you know, one of the dangers that we can run into as followers of Jesus is that we'll tend to either fall really heavily on one side or the other of, of like rules and regulations versus love. And, and, and that's when we run into a problem, right? We're either going rules are rules and we must follow the rules, period, right? This is it, no matter what. And then there's the other side of like the boundless freedom of just like, but it's love. And that's it. Right? And, and we can just do whatever. We can just do whatever. Listen, the, the legalist attitude is all truth and no love. That's the legalist attitude. And then you've got kind of the liberal attitude, which is all love and no truth. And Jesus is saying that we should fall into the camp that is somewhere in the middle. Because you can't have an extreme of one or the other. Jesus didn't. The wisest Jesus answer is truth and love. He told us to speak the truth in love. So we need to allow people a certain level of freedom within the boundaries of God's word to work out what God intends for them to understand about the full extent of the completed work of Christ in their life, which goes into everything that actually we've been talking about. So where's the Lord directing your walk? This actually might be the most important question I ask you today. It's not on a slide. It's not even in your notes. Where's the Lord directing your walk? You. 
Where's he directing you to go? What, what next step do you need to take? It might just be something as simple as like, man, this 21 days of prayer has really made an impact on my life. I'm going to make it 22. And 122. Thousand. And you just keep it up. Maybe it's something that simple. Maybe it's more. How are you treating others in your journey? Maybe that has something to do with, with where the Lord is directing your walk. Where, where can you serve and be more like Jesus in your walk? And in that space, we can learn to live with each other in unity while we figure out how to live with ourselves. Because isn't that all what, what we're all really trying to do in some ways? And so my connection point for us today it's actually more of a charge and a challenge, almost like a coach before we leave the locker room to, to go take the field because the field's ready. The field is ready. There is a world out there that needs Jesus, that needs you, that needs the church to step out there. But if we're not connected in unity in Christ here, stick with me. If we're not connected in unity in Christ here as the church, if we're not walking worthy together in humility, then it's all gonna fall flat. It's all gonna fall flat. So let's walk worthy together and connect people to Christ, community, and purpose. Let's walk worthy together as the church, as the big C church. And you connect people to Jesus, which is connecting people to each other. And when we do that, God makes our purpose really clear in our life because it's all about his agenda and it's not about ours. Walking in Christ for us as believers, it requires us to do all that we can without compromising the essence of the gospel, but to walk together as one people, pointing others to Jesus. And you know, baptism is actually a visual representation of unity in a lot of ways. It's an awesome thing. As we all come together here in the next few moments, because we are, regardless of, you know, maybe where you're at on a few different things or whatever, we're all going to come together in the next few moments to celebrate the agenda of Jesus. Not the agenda of me or you or anything like that. We're celebrating the agenda of Jesus here in just a few minutes. And we're going to cheer for them like the crazy family that we are. Absolutely we are. Because we know what this means. We know what this means, that more people are united under the banner of Jesus Christ and for eternity. And we know that there are some more people that are gonna be walking on the streets of gold with us one day when Jesus comes back and sets everything right, amen? It's an awesome, incredible thing. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know for sure that you're gonna join us in, in community and in fellowship with Jesus forever, today might be your day. And you can jump in the pool with us as well. Right now, we'll figure out clothes. I'm telling you. We'll figure it out because listen, God created you. Lock in here for just a minute. God created you to be with him. And it's our sin that separates us from God. The things that we do that we try to get rid of, that, that we can't, the places where we fall short. Sin, the word sin really just means to miss the mark. We've all missed it. Raise your hand if you've missed the mark in life. That's everybody. We've all missed the mark. And Jesus Christ came to pay the price for you and for me because there's nothing we can do to pay the price for ourselves. And putting your trust and your faith in him and him alone 
is the only thing, the only thing that can save you. And your eternal life starts right then, starts right now, and it lasts forever. And you can put that into your own words and, and, and surrender and give your life to Jesus right now. It just, it's just repenting of your sin. It's turning from your sin. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And you may not entirely know what all those things mean, but just those simple statements right there means that you're giving your life to Jesus. And then the next step of that in obedience to him is in baptism. And I'm going to ask those that are, that are going to be baptized to, to get up here in just a minute, but I want to give us all a moment right now. Would you bow your heads? If you don't know you're going to be with Jesus one day, right now, you can just ask the Lord to come into your life, just to tell him you're sorry for your sin, that you believe who he is, that he died for you, that he rose on the third day, that he's coming back again, and that you're surrendering and giving your life to him. And if you've done that, you are a child of God. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. And the Holy Spirit of God is now living inside of you. And there is a party going on in heaven. And if you want to take the next step in baptism, even right now, we can maybe make that happen if, if you come forward here in just a minute. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. And I thank you that we can be united together as your people under the banner of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord... I pray that all of us can, can look at the things in our own life where maybe we're putting others, not putting others ahead of ourselves, where we're putting our own agenda ahead of yours. Lord, this is a hard thing to do. So I pray that, that you would just make it clear where we need to maybe make some, some changes and, and to, to take next steps in, in better ways there so that others will see Jesus in us. Help us to walk in unity, Lord, as your church, to make an impact on this community. And Lord, I pray for those that are going to be baptized here in just a minute. I pray that you'd go before us now. Lord, we're so excited for them and for the life change that has happened in them. I pray that you would, that you would be with them as they're moving forward from, from this moment, as this is a big moment. And Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you, I pray today might be the day of salvation for them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.